Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Again, happy Valentine's Day. I know uh, that's a tremendous celebration for some, and it's a little bit of pain for others. I realize that. Um, some of you, um, when Valentine's Day rolls around, it's sort of not a fun day, and we understand that. But you know what? Uh, we're not here really celebrating Valentine's Day, because I also know that there's some couples out there that, guys, you probably still haven't bought a card. You thought I was playing a minute ago. <laughs> You, you, this is a good time for you to get out of trouble and maybe lean over and say, I was going to surprise you later. Um, that, that's your out right there. But let's talk for a few minutes this morning. Because we've been in John now for several weeks, and we're going to continue in this path through Easter. And, and here's, here's a, one of the primary things, and I'm, I'm not preaching from John chapter 3 this morning. That would be like the obvious go-to for God so loved the world. That's the first time love is even mentioned in the book of John. And Jesus is proclaiming that God loves us, but the reason he's proclaiming that is because he wants us to believe it. He wants us to believe that God loves us. I think our hardest challenge sometimes is to believe that we're loved. So I want to talk this morning on not just believing that you're loved, but how that we're called to love. We are commanded to love. Now, doesn't that take the romanticism right out of it? You know, happy Valentine's Day. I command that you love me. Right? Sort of takes it all out. And there's several types of love. I know you've heard this before, and I've even seen studies where they take these four simple breakdowns of love that we're going to just mention here in a moment. And they even break it into eight, sometimes even 12 different groupings of what the love represents. But there's eros, our romantic love. That's the love that you can feel when you see. And, and we talk about this often, and we even shared this in our interview with Nick and Amanda, how that when I first saw Diane walking across the parking lot in high school, I just saw this girl with a blue bandana on her head. And I instantly fell in love. And I, I told the, the girl, that one of our friends that I was with, I said, who is that girl? Oh, that's Diane Alvarez. I'm going to marry that girl. Now, see, that sounds romantic. But that's, that's just eros. That's passionate, romantic love. But that's also got a lot of feelings involved. That means everybody loves everybody when you first meet. And there's something, some, oh, it was just a spark. And it turned into a flame. Now it's a forest fire, right? And you just, you just get burned up every time you turn around, right? So, so there's that kind of love. <laughs> I wasn't talking about our marriage. I left that several minutes ago. Then there's uh, philea, which is friendship, trust. We have good friends. But you've even heard people say this. In, in all of your life, you're only going to have two or three Friends that you really consider close friends because they're, that's the kind of love you trust each other with everything. 
It's not about romantic. It's friendship. Then there's a story love, which is familial. There's family, moms, daughters, husbands, wives, um, brothers, sisters. And we all go through different challenges with that, but, you know, family's family, right? You can do a whole lot of things to a lot of people, but you mess with family, and even if they hate each other, you got enemies. Hello? So there's that kind of love. But then there's the agape love, and we hear this talked about. Every, every Valentine's Day, every time we talk about love, it, it leads back to agape love, but there's a reason it leads back to agape love. That's the kind of love God's talking about throughout his word. It means there's a choice, and he chooses to love us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He chooses to love us. It talks about another word in agape, pragma, which means I have endured, and I have stood fast, and I am maturing in this love. It means that once you have seen someone across the parking lot, it's not going to stay eros all the time. If you, if you have a friend, it may not stay perfect all the time. There's got to be a maturing love. There's got to be a love that says, I accept you where you are, all your bumps, all your bruises. Uh, if you're slow, if you're fast, I accept, I love you. Why? It's agape love. Now listen to what the Word of God says in John 13. And I know we're, we're primarily, primarily starting with uh, John and going through John 11 until Easter, but I want to just talk about John 13 for a few minutes. John 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give you. Again, there's that word command. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is preparing to go. He knows he's on his mission that when we start in John chapter 1, he's just being introduced to us by John the Baptist. He knows he's on a mission. He's, he's providing these signs, not just because people want to see miracles, because he wants people to believe why he has come and that he's the savior of the world. Do you know that, that Paul spends most of his time, a lot of his time, in his instructions to the New Testament church, especially the Jews, but the Gentiles also, trying to get them to really believe you can't earn this. He loves you. You can't, you'll never deserve, you can't keep the law, you can't keep the rules. You'll never deserve God's love. He loves you. We're saved by faith. Grace through faith. Not by works. We've got to believe that he loves us. And if we do believe, he says, you will keep my commandments. Listen to what 1 John chapter 4 says. And I've got several different verses out of chapter 4. So they may not look in order. But beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There's a lot of love and being like God in this passage. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we may have life through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, that's not out of guilt. It's not out of shaming us. You know, shame on you. You should love them. It's not about that. It's reminding us how much we're loved. If God also loved us, we also, <coughs> excuse me, should love and have love for one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, because God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because he is also where we in this world, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And he's speaking there simply to this. If you really understand that God has loved you and has forgiven you your sins, you don't live in fear anymore. You don't worry about, am I going to heaven or hell? You're free. You're loved. You're family. You don't wake up one day and say, have I been unadopted? He loves you. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says again, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother and whom he has seen cannot love God and whom he has not seen. So this commandment we have from him. He repeats the commandment that he wrote in the first chapter, or he wrote in the 13th chapter that Jesus gave them in the book of John. He repeats again, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now this makes sense, I know. And we, we can hear this passage read and we can all say, Amen. We all agree with it, right? But here's, here's the challenge. <clears throat> I read this this last week. It's easy to fall in love. But he did not command us to fall in love. He commanded us to stand in love. You know how you make things last? Stop falling in love. And start standing in love. We live in a culture that marriage has been uh, tremendously, not just watered down, but undermined. Things are being introduced to the culture, through our education, through our politics, through, and it's demanding that we embrace things that do not make up a godly culture or a godly family. Now, when I say this, it's not about condemning anyone. It's us making sure we do what we're supposed to do. You can't change anybody else. The Bible does not say, I command you to change people. It does say, I command you to love. So where do we need to start with that love? Well, I would suggest we start at home. Because if we can strengthen our families, families have children. Children are, are educated. Children are developed. 
And if we have strong families and we have strong children, family units, now the church is filled with strong family units. Now our community is filled with strong family units. You get enough strong family units focusing on Jesus Christ. Oh, pastor, that sounds like a pipe dream. I shared this with you many weeks ago, but there's a process that we could walk through that if we start focusing on developing and training and teaching our children now in two generations, in two generations, you'll be shocked at how much of America can be following Jesus Christ. But it's got to start with the family. It's got to start with moms and dads. Now, when I say that, uh, I just need to preface the rest of this message by saying, I know a lot of us come from broken families. Thank God for Jesus. He's the healer of our soul. He's the healer of families. He's the healer of the brokenhearted. He redeems us. He restores us. He renews us. Somebody say amen. And, you know, sometimes people start hearing messages about this and and they just sort of turn it off like, it doesn't apply to me. I've been through a divorce. No, this applies to you, not in a condemning way, but God wants to meet you right where you are because he knows that you're hurting. And he wants you to experience a love that will never let you down. He wants you to experience a love that will not walk out on you. As a matter of fact, now here's one that I wrestle with. Are you ready? He, he wants you to know that he will never let you down in spite of feelings. Now, how can I say that? Because God has feelings. Oh, pastor, how can God love unconditionally if he has feelings? Because he's God. God is love. You and I base our love on feelings. Come on, one uh-huh is not enough. You and I base our love on feelings. I don't feel like he loves me. I don't feel like she loves me. It's not based on feelings or personalities. And listen, I'm not, listen, there's a lot of assessments out there. There's a lot of great, you know, Pastor Nick and Amanda are going through an incredible study right now that I'm telling you is going to be a grace group. It's going to be a grace group. Uh, you know, I'm, I've already bought some materials. Pastor Nick doesn't know that, but I've already bought some materials. It's going to be a grace group. Why? Because we all have different personalities. Now, don't raise your hands on this, please. But, you know, you start doing some personality tests, and you find out what your personality is like and what your spouse's personality is like, and you're like, oh, my God. How, we shouldn't be together, should we? No, that, that's... That's term, that terminology there is, is opposites attract, okay? That's how you meet each other. And you think, <coughs> oh, this is the perfect one. This, this feeling is going to last forever. And that feeling is so great, you don't even think you need a job because you can live on love. You don't need money. You don't need a house to live in. You just... Man, if, if I feel this feeling the rest of my life, and, and about two days later, you're like, where's that feeling? Because now the feeling is you're hungry, and you need to get a job, right? Now, I'm not trying to be silly, because we do need, this is important stuff to know. Because when the Bible talks about loving, and I'm going to hit on this in a minute, it doesn't mean just appreciate them from a distance. So if you know how people are wired, that means you have to study. 
because people are driven. The, di the whole DISC, and again, I, I don't want to wear you out with assessments, but the whole DISC model, it just shows you what you're prone to in your personality and how you fit or you don't fit. They've got assessments everywhere. And it could really almost wear you out because you really see, you know, th there's some assessments out there. Uh, you know, you might be an avoider. You might be a pleaser. You might be a vacillator, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Everything's based on feeling. You might be a, a controller. You might be the victim. And you put any of these two together, and everybody, anybody's going to drive anybody. There's no perfect, you know, here's a temptation. You start doing all these profiles, and you just, what's the perfect match? And see, here, here's the problem. There is no perfect match. That's why there's a command. The command is love one another. But Lord, I don't even have the right feelings. I'm sorry, we're not talking about feelings right now. That was a command. Now, and I'm just, I'll speak for myself for a minute. When I get reading and studying the word there, when my feelings are involved, I almost feel like God is saying, I don't care how you feel, John. Make sure you just die daily. That's your call in life. Get dead quick. Daily. And then put up with anything you have to put up with, and that will be your life. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, um, okay, but can I go on to glory now? Or? What, is that, what does that look like? And see, we make it something that it's not. Because here's, here's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. A command <laughs> is not meaning to make you do something that you don't want to do because God's just trying to prove a point. God, just like the Ten Commandments, he's trying to lay a pathway that if you walk here, you'll be shocked at how powerfully wonderful life can be. Through all the pain, through all the difficulty, John, just trust me. You're in the best care you could ever imagine, but you got to go there. So uh, that's why I'm commanding you, love. Don't just fall in love, John. Stand in love. Don't, don't just love when it feels good. Love when there's no feeling. Love, I command you to love even, even when it hurts. You say, and I, I mentioned this a moment ago, we, we think that God has no feelings sometimes. No, God tells us straight up, even in the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before you. I am a jealous God. Anybody ever um, hang around anybody who's jealous? Um, it, can get, it can get ugly in a hurry, can it? I mean, it can get stupid in a hurry. Imagine if God starts messing with you because he's jealous. It just imagine what it would be like if he just decided, you know what, forget the grace. Here I come. I'm going to treat you like I want to treat you based on my ability and my jealousy. Imagine what that, well, we can't, because we can't even imagine the love. Am I making any sense? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just, it's good stuff because it hits us all. See, here's what Jesus wants. You ready? He wants us to love others, not just our friends. 
He wants us to love others, not just our family. He wants us to love others, not just our nationality. He wants us to love others, not just our race. He wants us to love others, not just the ones that are interested in what I'm interested in. See, because it's easy, guys. It's easy for us to compartmentalize life and, and just love this group. But when Jesus says, I, a new commandment I'm giving you, because here's how the world is going to recognize you, not by your political association, not by your race, not by your nationality, not by your family, or not by your friends. They will know you are Christians by your love for one another. So what does that look like? Because you can be very gifted. And I've, I've got three very simple points I'm going to get to in just a moment. We, we may be extremely gifted in our lives. But if you don't love, nobody cares. You know, in leadership, and I know in business, we, we hear this a lot. But no one knows, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so it would be easy for us to, to walk into a room and know everything. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic power and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all the faith so that I can move mountains, but I don't love people, I'm nothing. Now talk about getting frustrated. You face the world with, with arrogance, and you move mountains, and you wonder why they don't love you. You wonder why they don't appreciate it. Because you don't love them. Who cares? And, and we, we get confused by that. Maybe, maybe it's just me. We get confused. Look at what I've done for you. But you don't love me. Right? If I give away all, of I have, all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. But here's what love is. And we hear this at weddings, but this is not, a, this is not just for weddings. This is for all of us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. And see, I'm going to stop right there because I've done all of those things this morning. I mean, can I get an amen? I don't mean about me, about you. I mean, so, so I, there's, there's days I'm, I'm not patient. I'm not kind. I'm more boastful. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm envious. I'm rude. Pastor, you need to read the Bible more. <laughs> That's, here's the reality. That's when the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, John, this is the goal, but you can't act it. You've got to be it. Because I can act like I'm patient, but that doesn't last long. I'm too impatient. I can act like I'm not rude, but have you ever seen anybody trying to act like they're happy? When they're not, 
you know, somebody's at a party. And I'm not picking on anybody. I mean, you know, couples go to a party or, a, you know, a bunch of couples go out on a date or somebody and somebody's had a fight on the way there, that couple, you know. And everybody's laughing except for that couple. And everybody's, everybody's having a good time. And everybody, everybody knows, everybody's thinking the same thing. Well, something happened there. We don't know what's going on there. Because they're acting, they're trying to act the part without being. Now, now why am I saying that? Because love is something that we don't just do, it's who we are. God is love. That's why John tells us in 1 John, don't, don't say that you love if you don't know God. Because if you know God, and God is love, you'll love. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoice with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That, that's something that, that has got to be practiced every day. It's got to be practiced every day. Listen, please listen whether we feel like it or not. And I go back to the personalities real quick. And the message this morning is not about personalities or, or our love language. You know, all of us have probably read an article somewhere about the love language. So, you know, I, if I know my, my beautiful wife's love language is acts of service. Well, I, I may vacuum the floor, but if I'm vacuuming the floor like this, there, you like that? Um, that's an act of service, but that's not what she's going to appreciate. <laughs> I don't believe anybody's watching this anymore anyway, streaming, so we'll, we just, it's just us now. We want our feelings in order to love, but again, we have to stop falling in love and start standing. It's a command. So what does that look like? Number one, we're called to love unconditionally. Just imagine what it would be like if you could just be, take a breath and be real. And know that you're loved. Now it's not about wearing your feelings or it's not about everybody in this room has to know everything about you. That's not what this means. It just means when I love you unconditionally, the more I get to know you, I'm going to get to know you. You know, it's like our grace groups. A lot of times when people come into our grace groups, they're nervous, they're, they're fearful, because they know that the, lo the, the longer you do life together, people are going to get to know something about you, and it's either going to be an aha moment or an uh-oh moment. What if it was we love you unconditionally moment? What if it was we're all walking through this together? What if, what if someone is not as mature as we are in Christ and our walk with Christ? And instead of making them feel bad, we, we embrace them and help them take another step. And guys, listen, I'm not picking on marriages today. We all need to build and work in our marriages and and, in, and I encourage you, listen to Pastor Nick's um, entire podcast. One of the things you'll hear a resounding repetitiveness to is you will always be working on your marriage. You never stop working on 
your marriage. You cannot stop. I'm going to repeat that a few more times because somebody says amen. You cannot stop. And, and I know there's somebody sitting here right now going, yeah, you know, but I'll be honest with you. I just don't feel it. Okay. I know. And it would be easy to, to, to shut that door and walk on. But if you think for one minute it's going to be different, it's not. It might be different circumstances, but it's still the same you. And we need to live sur surrendered lives to him. Now, you can't help what the other person does, please. But you can make sure that you are focused on Christ and loving him and loving others. I hope I'm making sense. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were messed up, Christ died for us. Fallen, broken, needy, avoiding, controlling, everything else. 1 John 4, 19, We love because he first loved us. He first loved us. We referenced this very quickly uh, early in the service, but Ephesians chapter 5. Paul uses Ephesians to give an example of what marriage is like. And, and we often hear that verse quoted there, and all the women cringe a little bit. When it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Just like the church submits itself to Christ. Because again, he's, he's just comparing it to a relationship with a husband and wife, to a relationship with the church, and with Jesus. And, and ladies, sometimes we get like, I am not. It is a whole new world, Pastor. That was just a cultural reference. I am not submitting. I will not bow the knee. I'm a, I'm a, I, I. Okay. So just think about if the church started saying that to Jesus. Jesus, it's a whole new world here. We are not. You think we're going to submit to you? We are not bowing the knee. We are not going to walk in this thing called holiness. It, it would be that ridiculous. Who of us would stand before God and say, it, it's just a new, you know, it's 21st century, Lord. You're going to have to loosen up. Here's, here's what it really means. Um, and we only know this in, in hindsight, guys, because what Paul was saying is we know that Jesus Christ died for the church. We know that Jesus Christ gave himself for the church. So, ladies, knowing that someone has given their life for you, submit to them. Now, the reason we have women in our culture, and I get it, I understand it, it's because we have knuckle-headed men in our culture who somehow believe and they only want to stop right at that submit part. But here's what it goes on to say, and this is not, this is so, um, it's been applied so many different ways, but I want you to hear this. Unconditional love means Jesus Christ came to us when we didn't deserve it. Jesus Christ died for us when we didn't deserve it. Jesus Christ loves us. So he says, men, love your wives 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So now, when you see the church and Jesus in operation, you see a surrendered church. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? How, Lord, fill my life. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, direct me. And then the Lord to the church is saying, I'm all in. I've died for you. I've given myself to you. Here I am. What would a marriage be like if we walked like that? What would a marriage be like, guys, if, if instead, and again, I know I'm repeating the video just a little bit. What we miss sometimes here in that passage is that while we were sinners, he died for us. See, the, the key there is not going home today and saying, okay, how can I die for my family? What needs to die today? What needs, yes, that needs to be an ongoing process in our lives, not because, okay, something's got to die today. I've got to give something up that I really don't want to give up. That's what we're saying. I've got to let something go that I really don't want to let go. That's what we're saying. But see, if we understand that really we've already died in Christ, we've already been buried in baptism, arisen afresh and anew in Jesus Christ, that was a, a symbol to our friends in the community that we have given our lives to Christ. If we understand that we've already surrendered, we've already died in Christ, then really what's happening when we say what needs to die today is transformation. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, and direct us to let us know, John, there's some things in your life that I'm still working on. Let it go. And I'm using your spouse to do it. Oh. I, I knew she sounded like God for a reason. I didn't, I wasn't sure what was going on there. You see, for, I'm going to hang on marriage here for just a minute. Most marriages need to understand this. All marriages need to understand this. You have your spouse over time to be a mirror of what God is trying to do in your life. And sometimes when your spouse tells you something, it gets you mad. I know it does. Sometimes your spouse may say something or do something, and our mind says, she's just pushing my buttons. No, it's God's tapping you on the shoulder again. You're calling it a button. He's calling it conviction. And our relationships become, now this doesn't have to happen just in a married relationship. This could happen at work. That person you don't like to work with. And you're praying for a new job. God's trying to build a new you. You're praying for God to move that person out because you want, you want a Christian to talk to. That person's praying for a Christian to talk to. So God's trying to do a work in you so you'll start acting like. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or silly, but you know it's right. So we're called to unconditional love. We're called because he came to us and just let me ask you this, who are you going to? Who are you reaching out to? Are you willing to reach out to your spouse? Are you willing to reach out to your children? Are you willing to reach out to people who have hurt you? Are you willing to reach out to that person at work? And, and I don't mean just work up your testimony and go share your testimony with them. I mean just go be love. Treat them nice. Do things for them. Reach out to them. But then we're called 
This leads us to number two. We're called to love sacrificially. Again, it's a, it's a command. But commands give us orders. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sakes he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All this talk of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians, if you go back to verse 17, it says that any man or woman who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Why? Because he wants to use us to reconcile others back to Christ. This isn't about us just getting saved and going to heaven. It's about us getting saved and living life here that makes a difference for the kingdom of God. Am I making sense? So we're called to live, live sacrificially. Let go uh, of, of what doesn't need to be in our relationships. Let go of what doesn't need to exist in our personal lives. Listen, if you want a certain fruit, you've got to plant a certain seed. So let's talk about that just real, real quickly. Because what does that got to do with sacrifice? Well, first of all, you're only going to get what you plant. I'm, I'm staying seated today for a reason. Because uh, it'll, it'll keep me on task, and I'll be done in about 10 minutes. Because if I start walking, I'll keep talking. And there's too much stuff here. What does this mean? I'm going to bear the fruit that I plant. Some of us try to get people to change by planting seed that will never bear that fruit. But here's, here's, what, here's what we mean by sacrifice. Put the seed in the ground that will bear the fruit that you're looking for. You want to be loved? Plant love. You want to be cherished? Plant a seed of charicity. I don't know. <laughs> Those little cherished seeds. <laughs> if you want purity, plant purity. If you want wholeness, plant wholeness. If you want peace, plant peace. But here's how a lot of us are. Are you ready? We plant that seed. And because of the culture that we live in, and we have access to technology, and we can, we can Google everything in about two seconds, depending on internet speed. That seed's not, that seed's not paying off, Pastor. Well, when did you plant it last night? Well, what are you expecting? That, that it may take some time. So you're going to have to sacrifice your time, your energy. You're going to have to sacrifice what you want. You're going to have to sacrifice the things that, that you are demanding. Now, I know for some of you this is painful. It is. Because depending on your personality, some personalities are, I need it right now. Lord, I can't. Lord, I, Lord, I need it right now. Like we're addicted or something. And there's some of you that are like, mm, Lord, let him take his time. We haven't argued in a week. This is wonderful, Lord. Keep him pouting. Keep him aggravated, Lord. Because depending on how you're wired, this all plays out. But now listen, if you plant that seed, you may have to sacrifice some time. You also may have to nurture it. Every seed needs some rain. Every seed needs some water. Every seed needs some sunshine. 
every, it needs it. And when it begins to blossom, that doesn't mean the fruit's there. It just means you're starting to see signs. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying because, listen, a lot of the stuff that we wrestle with and a lot of stuff that we fight over and a lot of the stuff that we give up on is because we're not willing to sacrifice planting the right seed, having the time and taking the time to make it, and having the time and taking the initiative to, to nurture it. Because then what happens, and this is so, I, I know it's elementary, but when the fruit comes, you enjoy the harvest. But then what do you do? You start over again. Because life is lived in seasons. There are seasons of planting, seasons of harvest. There are some seasons in your relationship that are going to be like, wow, thank God we got through that little bump in the road. Man, life's going to be beautiful now. And, you know, we, we, we had those couple of arguments, but praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I'm glad God fixed her. We're ready to go now. And, and, and three months will pass or six months will pass, and, and, and you'll be like, man, we are on cloud nine. And then something happens. And you realize that there's stuff in both of your lives, possibly, that you just keep going round and around over. Anybody ever notice that? You, there's just things in your life, and it may be triggered by one thing, or, and it may be just one thing, but about ten things have to happen, and then that pulls the trigger, and then you're in this cycle. Um, I wonder what it would be like if I'm willing to sacrifice to produce the right kind of fruit that God wants. Now, I'm not going to go to Galatians today, but please listen. When we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives, as painful as it may be sometimes, let him use those around you to walk. It may be your spouse. It may be friends. It may be people you work with. Let God use the people around you to use them, if necessary, that you will be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Lastly, I believe it all starts with us being called to forgive. For God so loved the world, he forgave. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This, this I know may seem incredibly simple today. But I, I read earlier this week that valent, more hearts are broken on Valentine's Day than any other day. And I'm thinking, how in the world? I, th I have an idea. Because everything's based on expectations. And, and so that person's expecting a card or that person's expecting flowers or candy and that well-meaning husband gets the chainsaw. That's not a Valentine's gift you want to go with. Expectations. More hearts are broken on Valentine's Day. How does that happen? I, I honestly don't believe it's a card. I don't believe it's a gift. I believe it's an attitude. I believe it's a wrong word. I believe it's um, something that's said that 
and you've not really initiated to know that person because when God came to us, he initiated. When Jesus Christ became flesh, he came to us. When we couldn't get to him, he came to us. We need to initiate what's going on. How can I help? How can I heal? What can I do? And sometimes it is just being patient. Sometimes it is just being kind. But if we're loving, that's what it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not rude. It doesn't mean we're perfect. That's why, and I know, even when I said it the other night, talking to Nick and Amanda, as soon as I said it, I'm like, man, I hope nobody takes that as we can't be overcomers in Christ. But if you think for one minute that any of us have the capabilities right now doing any and everything Christ did without grace, you're out of your mind. I use more grace now than I did before I got saved. I mean, I find myself doing things now that I'm like, God, please forgive me. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. Don't beat yourself up. He loves you. I think sometimes the hardest thing that we do is allow ourselves to move forward because we haven't allowed ourselves to move forward in him. We don't believe he ever would forgive us, so we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Now, I'm going to get up because I'm going to pray. But here's what I want to pray for. I want to pray that we take this not as a command and leave here saying, you better go love somebody. You better. It's a command. You may not feel like it, but you better. No, it's not about that. It is about realizing what Christ has done for me and and knowing that in spite of myself, he loved me anyway. Let's all stand. I'm, I'm going to pray for us, but let me, let me just share this while you're standing. <clears throat> um, whenever Diane and I, I know you can't believe this, but occasionally we'll have a disagreement. And, um, and, and we've learned that, because we'll be married 40 years this summer. Okay, that's, that's like a record, that's like, you know. Um, now, and if you, if you talk to Diane, which I would appreciate it if you just didn't talk to Diane. <laughs> if, if, if you want the truth, talk to Diane. If you talk to Diane, she'll tell you straight up, it's work. Even in our interview again with Nick and Amanda the other night, um, you know, Diane mentioned it because we're not bashful about it. Anytime we know we're going through transition in our life, we'll just, we'll, we'll connect with a counselor that we know. Just to say, hey, walk us through this. Because there's stuff that we know that we don't know we know. And every once in a while, it's good for someone, for us to be willing to sit down with someone and say, hey, we're getting ready to walk through this or we're walking through this, man. Talk to us. Help us, because we want to walk through stronger and be stronger on the other side. And I'm not telling you that for everybody to feel like, oh, man, the pastor's been to counseling. Folks, I, I have made people rich. 
Okay? Now, here, here's my point. When we, when we became empty nesters, our, our children went to college. They graduated. Our son now lives in North Carolina. Our daughter lives in Annapolis, Maryland. And we knew we were moving into an empty nest period of our life. That can be devastating for people. Because you've had to be certain things. Then all of a sudden, the kids are gone, and you wake up, and you're like, I'm sorry, what was your name? So we went to counseling to, to work through that. We're even seeing somebody now because through COVID and through transitions, you know, I don't know if any of you have, you have noticed, but again, I've said this, ministry's changed, business has changed, education has changed, how you get around in culture has changed. You can't go to another country without going through massive um, different changes that have taken place. And if you think that has an impact to you, you're out of your mind. Now, I'm not trying to speak something into your life that's not there. But we have had to be intentional about saying, okay, David, name is David. Okay, David, here we are. Man, we're walking through all this stuff. We got to stay strong. Just walk it. And we'll, we'll usually leave those sessions going, I knew that. You know, I, I should have been counseling him. That's my arrogance kicking in. Why? Because nine times out of ten, good counsel just reminds you of what you already know. It's just a reminder to do it, whether we feel like it or not. Can I tell you that really what I'm talking about today, as simple as it is, whether it's marriage or whether it's relationships, whether it's work, whatever it is, you already know it. That's why you've been sitting here going, man, I, I know I need to do that. I, I know, I know. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, but I don't feel like it. A lot of us know that feeling too. The problem is, I promise you, it's, it's only going to get worse. And God is patient. He would rather meet with you now and, and help you deal with the tough stuff now so you can get to the fruit rather than there'll be a lot of destruction before there could ever be good seed. It may take the work of the Holy Spirit. You may not be right there today. I want to pray for you that God will just gently guide you there. I want to pray that, that God will help some of you that maybe life is going great, but listen, I want you to make it an intentional decision to go out and love people intentionally. Love your spouse intentionally. Love the people around you intentionally. Go out of your way to be a blessing. And just watch what God does. They will know we are Christians by our love. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I lift up marriages this morning to you right now. Father, to those who are here and, and even those who may have been watching and even, even sitting on a couch thinking, there's no way. It's too far gone. It just can't happen. Lord, we just sang and worshiped you in song, saying you turn graves into gardens. Lord, you could raise us up this morning, and we can literally walk out of here transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. In so many cases, Lord, I know you have done things instantly in people's lives, but Lord, in so many of us, it's a process because you are working things out. You are, you are chipping away 
at things in our lives that we've settled into for years. And Lord, it may take some time, but I pray that in the name of Jesus, we stop trying to fall in love and now just stand in it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I speak to those marriages right now. I speak wholeness. I speak peace. I speak joy. But Lord, I also pray that they hear your voice, that it's a command to love. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch individuals here. Lord, that they've gone through difficulties. They've gone through brokenness. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray that they be loved today by your Holy Spirit like they've never been loved in so many years. Because, Lord, it, it's, it's about feelings. It's about friendship. It's a, but, Lord, you are love. And you tell us to identify with each other by loving. God, I pray that you touch this church. I pray, Lord, for a, a new vision, Lord, that in our minds and in our hearts, we want to see every generation experience transformation. But, Lord, let us also hear the clarion voice that says they will know we are Christians. They will know we are transformed. They will know we are changed by our love. And we love because you loved us. Now go with us today, Lord. We just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Please, we have a special gift for you at the back door as you're leaving. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.